early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all of the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary of the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. Well, so the resurrection story appears in all four Gospels, uh, which makes sense. It was a pretty central event in the life of Christ and the early church. Uh, but they're all, they all have their unique variations on them. For example, Mark has uh, three women, similar to uh, Luke. However, there's only one messenger, one angel, that tells them to not be afraid and delivers the news that Jesus is risen. In Matthew, the women are joined by some guards who faint in the middle of it all, and uh, and then they, but the, basically they witness everything, and the Romans bribe them to keep their mouth shut about it. Just don't go around telling people what you saw there. And in John, it is just Mary Magdalene who, upon seeing the stone rolled away, runs back to tell Peter and John, and then Peter and John have a race to see who's going to get there first, and apparently there's some kind of argument about who actually saw the empty tomb first between Peter and John, none of them acknowledging that it was Mary who actually saw the, the empty tomb first. And then they leave, and it's not an angel that appears, but Jesus himself who appears to Mary Magdalene and uh, declares that uh, the resurrection has happened. However, in Luke's telling, it's, it's several women, three of which are named Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. James is a son of Alphaeus. It's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. That I know that gets confusing. So there's a lot of Marys in the Bible, uh, and uh, but this is Mary, mother of James, who's the son of Alphaeus. And uh, they find the empty tomb, and they're greeted by two men that we can assume are angels or messengers from heaven. And of course, following this encounter, they run back and they tell the men what they saw. And naturally, the men don't believe them. Not much changes in 2,000 years, does it? Um, you know, women hold a very special role, a special place 
in Luke's gospel. If you'll, if you, from the very beginning, if you'll go back and read the birth narrative, you see that the men don't say anything. It's, it's Mary and Elizabeth who do all of the talking, who do all of the proclaiming, who bring the truth of things. And so it is also at the end of the gospel, it is the, the women who bring the truth of the gospel out. I think Luke has a particular agenda at lifting up the voices of women in this ministry, in this gospel. Amen? I pray that you can see that, that you can, you can hear Luke 2,000 years ago trying to say, we need to listen to what women have to say because they are looking at things, they are seeing things, and they're sharing the truth. Amen? And so I could preach a whole, I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on that, although I could. But uh, suffice it to say, we need to start believing women. I think you know what I mean there. However, so let me get off of that. A unique element to the Lucan account here are the words of the angels that come to the women that are standing there. And the angel says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Only Luke records this particular phrase. And then the women are reminded of all of the things that Jesus said about his death and his resurrection. Don't you remember the, all the things that Jesus that he said he was going to have to be handed over to sinners and that they were going to crucify him and then he would be raised in three days. In fact, the angels seem a little indignant about the whole thing. They're a little taken aback that uh, they were coming here expecting to find the dead Jesus in the tomb, buried away, and they were ready. They were all ready to take care of Jesus in the traditional way to to lay out some herbs and spices and use some oils to to prepare the body and then to lay out that, that uh, the, the, the wrapping, the shroud of Torin, which has been disproven, but the, <laughs> the shroud that goes over Jesus. They were getting ready to do all of that. And the angel seems bum-fuzzled that they would even be there. What are you even doing here? Why are you looking for Jesus here? Do, are you, aren't you paying attention? Don't you know what Jesus said? And I don't know that the women are really... Uh, in the wrong here. After all, they were trying to honor Jesus by taking care of the body through these traditional rituals and procedures. But of course, Jesus never had patience for this kind of thing. Jesus was kind of always about, let's get moving forward. Don't get hung up in what's gone on before. Don't look to the past. Don't look behind, but always Look ahead. In chapter 9 of Luke, Jesus calls a man to follow him. And, he, and the man says, well, I, I, I choose to follow you, Jesus, but first let me go bury my father. And Jesus rather coldly says, let the dead bury themselves, but you go and declare the kingdom of God. And another man was called in that same chapter and said, first let me go say goodbye to my family. Again, Jesus kind of impatient says anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of god it's talking about the cost of discipleship but i i also think i think it shows jesus's impatience with dwelling on the past and jesus says we need to start looking ahead and there's a sense of urgency about what jesus wants to accomplish and where jesus is going And I hear that sense of urgency in the angels. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. 
Go where he is. <laughs> you don't need to be here. There's nothing happening here. <laughs> We've been waiting for you because I knew. And, and he says, go, find Jesus. And, and these poor women, these poor women had come to mourn. They had come to wail. And in, 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 first, in the first century Judaism, mourning was a whole thing. Like, they got loud about it. They would wail, and they would, some, some might do the, the thing and make sure everyone knew. That's how you, the reason they do that kind of stuff, I'm told, is that, that, so that everyone in the neighborhood knows someone has died. And so the wailing kind of serves this purpose of declaring someone's, someone's death, but it's also this, it's this mourning, it's this getting this out. They had come, they had come with all of their herbs, ready to do a little wallowing. They were going to wallow. In their, in, their, in their despair, in their sorrow. I'm a great wallower. I love to wallow. In fact, I have a playlist on my phone called Wallowing Music <laughs> that I put on when I'm just, I'm in a wallowing mood, right? I just, there's nothing wrong with that. You want to do a little wallowing, find some time to, you know, not put on pants and, you know, list, put on this music climb into our blanket and just wallow in self-pity, right? That's, there's nothing wrong with that. And then these women had come to swallow, to, to wallow over their loss of Jesus. Because their hope had been sealed in a tomb. Their whole vision of what the world was like had been hung on a cross. They had plans. They had all these great plans that Jesus had declared for them that they knew was going to happen. And all those plans were dashed to the ground when Jesus was beat within an inch of his life. So they were going to come. They were going to mourn. But I think in the kingdom of God, in a time when Jesus rose from the dead in a, in a place where dead carpenters rise from the dead. There is no time for that. Jesus was gone. Don't come looking for Him here. And where was Jesus? Jesus was out among the people continuing to share the good news of the kingdom of God. And just a few verses later, Jesus is talking to people on the road to Emmaus. Jesus is appearing to people. In other Gospels, Jesus is having breakfast with uh, the fishermen on the shore and he's reinstating Peter and he's doing all these things. Jesus is out getting it done. He's out being about God's business, out showing that what everyone thought was defeat was in fact a victory. Amen? Jesus is out demonstrating that with God, all things are possible and nothing is impossible. Jesus was out showing that God's plans cannot be thwarted even by our most ardent efforts to do so. I have to wonder, if the angels were here today, would they look at us and ask that same question? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do we find ourselves dwelling and mourning and wallowing? Why do we let the hurt of the past dictate the hope of tomorrow? Because we are looking among the dead. Why do we convince ourselves that it's too late to change? I'm too set in my ways. I'm too old. I depend on this thing too much. I can't 
walk away from it. I can't rely on my own strength. I can't look to God. I got to look to this other thing. I can't go on without it. Or I just cannot change that thing that is hanging over me. It's just the way I am. I can't change that. Well, that attitude is, we have that because we are looking among the dead. Why do we believe that when difficulty comes along, and when sorrow, and when despair, and when tragedy comes along, that somehow God is angry with us? We continue to believe this, that God is somehow angry with us. But that's not the way it is. And we feel that way because we are looking among the dead. And why do we think that we are lacking what it takes to really accomplish the things that God needs the people of God to do? Uh, Why do we think that we cannot bridge those gaps? Why do we think that we cannot live out the kingdom of God? Why do we not really think that we could collectively save the planet? Because we are looking among the dead. And why do we cry out, Why me, O Lord? Because we are looking for the things that we want in all the wrong places. Just like that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Hope is not calculated by how, by how well things went in the past. Uh, you know, that's, that's past performance analysis. That's not hope. Hope is when we keep trying in spite of what happened in the past. Amen? That is looking among the living. And we are never stuck being who we are today without any control over who we are tomorrow. This is the whole point of forgiveness. Yes, I have been hurt and I'm a victim, but I don't have to be a victim tomorrow. Yes, I have done some awful things, but I don't have to. I can choose to not do awful things tomorrow. Yes, I'm stuck in this place. Yes, I'm addicted. Yes, I'm, I'm in a dead-end job that's getting me nowhere. Yes, I'm in all these places, but I do not, that does not have to be my tomorrow. I can have a different tomorrow. Amen? That is looking Allah among the living. Difficult is never a punishment from God. It's never a message from God. Our sorrow is not karma. Our pain is not some kind of lesson that we learn. Some great people have had terrible things happen to them. Some awful people have had great things happen. Some awful, awful people have had amazing things happen to them. I have to say, I think it's pretty random. I think it's random. I don't think there's sense to be made out of sorrow and pain that happens so randomly. Two people have similar lives. One gets cancer, one does not. There's no reason for it. It just is. But God says, you're not alone in this. No matter what tragedy or whatever, what great things happen. I am right there with you. I am going to be with you. We can get through these challenges, these sorrows, this pain together and I will give you, I will equip you with everything you need to get through it. You have what I can give you and I'm God. (laughs) 
That is looking among the living. We look at the world and its problems and we keep hearing the voice of God calling us out and we say, calling us to do something about it, to do something better. And we might say, why me, Lord? To which God replies, why not you? (laughs) Why not you? When you start wondering that and you start to see the things that God has given you and the solutions that God has given you, that is looking among the living. In the midst of it all, good or bad, God is always there, always equipping you, always empowering you, always giving you all that you need to get through. But too often, we would rather run back to our tombs and take care of the things that we find there. Why? Because it's comfortable. We feel We feel at home there. It makes sense to us. Jesus died on a cross. He's dead in a tomb. That makes sense. Jesus dying on a cross and living in you and me and resurrecting on Sunday, that doesn't make any sense. And it disrupts our whole comfort. And being in that tomb, it makes sense even when it hurts. Even when it fills us with pain. But it makes sense. This is Easter. This is Resurrection Sunday. And we are being called away from that tomb. We are being called away from that cemetery. Away from the comfort of our own imperfections. Away from the place where our pain remains. Away from the rocks upon which our hopes are dashed. Away from the tombs that seal away our ability to live the full and abundant life that Jesus has promised us. Out of that Away from that. Amen. You can give me amen. That's good. Away from all of that. Into the land of the living. To join Jesus Christ. The living Christ. In the hope building, life affirming, wound healing, love sharing, worth affirming work that He is doing in this world. That is seeking the living among the living. So on this Easter Sunday, I just invite us all to embrace life among the living. To seek out the light of Jesus in our own lives, knowing that that light leads to life. And no matter how comfortable death is, Jesus is calling us to something much better. Full and abundant life. Amen? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, on this Resurrection Sunday, we thank you. We thank you so much that you have shown us what real life is. God, help us to not look for life among the dead, but to seek out the living in you. That we might know um, what true life really is. Bless all who have gathered here and all who gather together on this Easter morning to celebrate your resurrection. We feel a kinship across all of those barriers, even beyond Christianity to our brothers and sisters of all humanity who are of goodwill. We say these things in the risen Christ. Amen.